1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast that's all about. Spoiler alert! Happiness. (laughs) This week, we'll talk about (laughs) why you should beware of storing things and take another look at the stumbling block of email. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, it always makes me happy to get an email from you, even if the subject line does not describe the contents.
0: <laughs> That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm happy to report your email habits have gotten much better since uh, doing this podcast. <laughs> yes. So, uh, gold star for yes.
1: that. I've learned some important lessons.
0: Before we jump in
1: to the show, um, one piece of business, folks, from time to time, we hear from people who are experiencing some kind of cutoff, whether to the show or to a little happier. And we always really follow up on what those issues are and we're ha the technical people are having trouble diagnosing exactly what the problem is. We're having trouble replicating it and therefore trouble fixing it. And so if you experience a problem, it is a huge help for us if you would email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or get in touch however you want and just let us know. And the more details about how you listen the better. Are you on an iPhone, an Android, any other phone? Are you listening on your desktop? Are you on a PC? Are you on a Mac? Are you listening through iTunes, through Stitcher, through Overcast? If you're listening with a browser, are you listening on Safari or Firefox or Chrome or whatever? Or are you listening through my newsletter? Are you getting the podcast newsletter that just has the episodes. Are you listening on my blog by hitting the link at the bottom of the episode? Um, People listen in so many different ways, and we're just having trouble figuring out exactly where the problem is. So that would be great if you let us know, because um, we are, from time to time, people are experiencing this, and we really want to get it fixed.
0: Now, Gretch on a happier note, uh, (laughs) you have your new coloring book (laughs) out.
1: I mean, what a lark it was to do a coloring book. I love I love magic markers, I love pens and pencils. Yes, yeah, so I did a happiness project mini poster coloring book that has these hand-lettered quotations, things like the days are long but the years are short or choose the bigger life and you can color them in and then they're they're on paper so that they're they're a little bit heavier so you can rip them out and like post them on your fridge or on a bulletin board or frame them if you did an amazing coloring job or something. Um, So I will post a link to that and some images from the coloring book too. So yeah, it was was really a fun little side project.
0: Yeah. I usually pre-order everything you do. So I must've forgotten to pre-order this. I
1: will
0: order it today.
1: (laughs) You're such a good sister. Um, And sort of on the subject of ordering things, um, our try this at home tip this week is to beware of storing things
0: yes the idea is for some things like holiday decoration seasonal clothes vacation gear storage makes sense because you put those things away and when you need them you get them out again yeah uh but in general you <laughs> want to be aware of what you're putting into storage
1: Yes. Now, I would never say that just because something is not used, it's useless because sometimes we love something even though we don't really need it or use it. But Alyssa, I don't know about for you, but for me, a lot of times when I'm when I have the urge to put something into storage, it really means like I don't really need it and I don't really love it and I don't have a use for it particularly, but I kind of can't deal with figuring out what else to do with it, so I'm just going to shove it under the bed for now mm-hmm. and just kind of try to forget about it. And so I put it into storage because it's just the easiest thing to do with it.
0: Yeah, I always say anything I store, I'm basically just leaving for Jack to go through after I die. It's like It's <laughs> oh. If it's in storage, chances oh. are I'm never going to look at it again, oh. even if I can't bear to get rid of it. Yeah, That's morbid, but true. It's morbid. <laughs> Well,
1: and and the fact is one of the advantages of being in New York City versus being in L.A. or Kansas City or somewhere else is like in New York City, it's hard to store things because we don't have attics. We don't have basements. We don't have garages. Some people do have storage bins in the basement of their building. We have like this weird third of a room in our basement. But in some places, people have a lot of room and you can get a lot of stuff and just just be in the habit of dumping it. And then, as you say, at some point, somebody, it's going to be you or somebody else, is going to have to go through all that stuff that you've stored away.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, when you store stuff, a lot of times it gets really gross anyway. So. You might have boxes of stuff that you think, oh, my gosh, I couldn't get rid of this. I must keep it. And then, like, you open up the box 20 years later and everything's all mildew and mold and eaten by moths and totally disgusting anyway. So there's really no point in having stored all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a big problem um, because people do store a lot. I read this study from the U.S. Department of Energy that estimated that 25 percent of people who have two-car garages can't park their cars inside because they have so much stuff there stored. Oh, that's us. Yeah. Right, because your garage. But you've made a lot of headway there, though, I think.
0: We have, but I don't think we'll ever— be able to park any cars in there, but anyway,
1: so it's not so you're not using it as a garage, you're using it basically as a private storage unit in, in your oh. house, right? Um, well, <laughs> kind it, of, yes, it, well, I mean, it's a way to think about it. But the thing about storage units is like people can spend so much money on their storage units. I had a friend who had storage units in four states for years. And wow. I, was, I was just talking to my yoga instructor, and he said he – because he lives in a very small apartment in New York City. And he said, oh, yeah, I had a – and he's a very, very minimal person. So I was like, hey, do you ever store anything? And he's like, oh, yeah, I had a whole storage unit. And I said, did you ever take anything out of your storage unit? And he said, no, I only put things into my storage unit. But the fact mm. is, if you're only putting things in and you're never taking things out, it means that you're just delaying getting rid of them, but you don't ever – you're never going to them. You're never using them. You're never seeking to get anything out of storage. It's like, well, why are you keeping it at all? Because you're not ever accessing it. And it can, you, people can spend a tremendous amount of money to sort of month after month after month. And like, what's in that storage unit?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times people end up spending way more storing stuff than it's worth.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it ends up being like, you know, an old dish of china and something that's crumbled away with, time you know, like uh, candles that have just melted in the heat. A Monopoly set that's half, you know, missing and uh-huh. a bunch of pictures of people that you don't recognize. And, uh, and you're like, why did I why did I do this?
0: Yeah, you know Gretchen, I have a friend um after her husband died, he had had a storage unit. He liked to kind of antique, you know, buy yes. stuff um at uh, vintage places and whatever. And so she went to go through the storage unit and um she just sort of in line decided I don't want to deal with this. Obviously, it was very emotional and overwhelming. And she ended up just selling everything in the unit to the guy standing behind her in line. And she just walked out and never even went in. And I think it was very freeing for her to get rid of all of that stuff. Because of course, it's the memories of him that matter, not the crazy lamp he bought in, you know, in Maine in 1995.
1: Well, that seems bold to just say, uh, without even looking at it, I, I'm just going to be free from it. I'm just going to sell it. But if she knew that she didn't need anything in there, then, you know, why kind of go through the emotional upset of going through it all? It's because it's emotionally exhausting.
0: Yeah and on the same sort of you know kind of the the mystery getting rid of stuff I know people who will pack boxes not label them, just put them in the garage and then in a year or two years, whatever is designated, if they haven't gone into that box to get something, yeah. they'll just throw it away or give it away. But it's like they won't go back into the box because right. it's when you go back in the box yeah. that you go, oh, no, I do need this, <laughs> Yeah. you know.
1: Well, you need to break the emotional connection to things. And and I think that that's part of why we have this impulse to store things. It's like it feels you're like, oh, but my son played with these Legos and enjoyed them so, so, so much. I can't just get rid of them. They still feel powerful or they still feel or this was my grandmother's china. I'm never going to use it, but it's valuable because it was important to her. So you put it into storage because you want to put it into some kind of limbo state. You don't want to relinquish it but you don't really have a need for it or a desire to see it or touch it or use it but then this storage this limbo state takes on its own force of emotional draining because you're surre- you've got this mm. stuff kind of packed away that you don't really relate to for whatever reason. And that's exhausting, whether it's a whole storage unit or it's like your whole attic or it's just like the box jammed under the bed. You're like, what is that? I don't even really know. I got to deal with it in some way sometime. It's draining.
0: I will say, though, there are things like mom and dad kept a lot of our toys from childhood, which you could argue they did not need to do. Yeah. Yeah, we got so much pleasure out of bringing those toys out when we had kids and using them in Kansas City and sort of reliving, you know, our memories with those toys. And even though they are pretty, you know, they take up quite a bit of room, I would say we've gotten so much pleasure out of them. But see, I think that's a perfect example of like...
1: If you're going to keep things, you have to carefully decide. Storing is dangerous when it's just like, I don't know what to do with this and this and this and this and this, so I'll just store it in my, you know, and that's what you can't do in New York because we don't have so much space. But when you carefully select things, it's like, then I think storage does work because you're like, I'm very specifically picking out a few things. It's highly curated. It doesn't take, it may Mm. take up some space. It doesn't take up a ton of space. But then along those lines about what toys to pick, because it is like, well, which toys are they going to enjoy down the line? It's hard to know. There's some things that are, it's hard to know if you should keep them or not. Like my my in, my mother-in-law just went through this. She tried to give to my brother-in-law all of his framed diplomas from like high school uh-huh. and college and everything. And he's like, I don't want them. And she's like, well, uh-huh. I don't want them. And he's like, so then what happens to them? You feel like, well, I can't just, what are you going to do with your college, your nicely framed college That's diploma? Right it doesn't feel like you can just throw it away, but nobody else wants it. And what are you gonna do with it if you're not gonna hang it? I mean, it's it's one of those, um I don't do you have your college diploma? What do you like it's a it well, feels important? I have no to...
0: idea. <laughs> I have no idea if I have my college diploma. The other thing is like yearbooks, you know, I can't I can't bear to get rid of yearbooks. What do
1: you do about yearbooks? This like listener, let's hear from listeners because I have like a thousand pounds of yearbooks because now I have all my yearbooks uh. and Eliza and Eleanor's yearbooks. And what do you right. do with yearbooks? They feel precious. They're n- You can't replace them. Right. But they take up a huge amount of room and they're heavy and nobody ever looks at them. Yeah. And Elizabeth, in our high school, there wasn't the tradition of writing in it. So it isn't even like personalized and full of happy memories mm. from friends. Right. At least my friends. We never did that in my in my grade. Nobody signed yearbooks. And they don't really do it for Eliza and Eleanor don't really do it either. So it's just, it's literally just the yearbook, but it feels, it feels like how can you get rid of it? But on the other hand, do you want to keep it?
0: Yeah. It's one of those things, maybe um, keep your senior yearbook and just let the others go. Oh, that's a thought. Just to, you know, because that usually you have more pictures. Yeah.
1: And it's a, it's a more important year. But then on the other hand, sometimes it's more fun even to see when you were younger and like see what your friends looked like when they were like nine years old or something. Now it's it's that's true. So that is the kind of thing where it is tough because it's just it's just like an odd category of things. But there's some things that are just why are they in storage? One thing um, where I heard where we've heard great solutions to this storing thing is um, this thing of holiday cards because Mm. um, I shock people sometimes because I really do throw away holiday cards after like a few days after receiving them. And we heard from many listeners who keep holiday cards, but they don't just store them. They're not just putting them in a box, you know, on a high shelf somewhere for years and years and years, but they have transformative uses of it. Like they would make it into gift cards or they would take a photograph of it and use it on their phone. And so it's using the holiday cards, but not, not just storing them. And so it makes more sense to hang on to them that way.
0: Yeah. So the idea is if you're going to use them, you can keep them, but don't just put them in a shoebox in the garage (laughs) to be gone through 50 years from now Yeah. Yeah. by someone, not you, because you're no longer with us. That's going to be my thing. If I'm never going to look at it again, literally, I'm just going to try to get rid of it. Well, that's a good rule. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Gretch, we all want to get rid of stuff. We all want to declutter. We all want to live more simply. And the truth is, when you have all this stuff in storage, it is sort of this mental, um, you know, nagging feeling of weight. Yeah. So just beware of what you put in storage, because once it's in storage, it's hard to get rid of it. Yeah. So uh, if you just don't put it in storage, yeah. you will never then face the dreaded what do i keep in storage and what do i now get rid of right right
1: and if you don't put it in storage you can more easily relinquish it to somebody who will put good use to it because maybe you're yes, you're going to put that those four sets of china into storage but you could take them to goodwill and then other people could be using them for years because they've been fr- put, set free into the world to do yes. their job um yes. instead of just waiting in a box Uh, So let us know if you tried this at home and what happens when you beware of storage, your experiences with storage. Um, Gold star if you clear out a storage area. Um, Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 111 for any contact info or links or anything related to this episode.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Elizabeth, time for a happiness hack. Yes, uh, this comes from Amanda Gretchen. She says, the tip I want to share is just flip a coin. Whenever I'm struggling with a choice between discrete identifiable options, and it seems like both would be fine choices and I still can't decide I flip a coin. So say I flip the coin and it's heads. If I'm disappointed by the outcome, then I likely had a subconscious preference for the tails outcome. So I've learned my preference and I go with the tails outcome. If it's heads and I'm pleased, then I likely preferred that outcome. If I flip the coin and I'm still indifferent about the outcome, then at least the decision has been made by the coin flipping fates and I can move on. I'm a questioner. So as you can imagine, I can do a deep dive into the smallest decision. So this is a great way for me to cut to the chase and accept the outcome.
1: Oh, I love this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. I've heard um, of people doing this before and it really makes sense. It's like your subconscious is telling you the answer.
1: Yeah, well, and I love because, uh, as Amanda points out, for questioners, sometimes they do fall into analysis paralysis. And so and I Mm. and I'm always looking for like, well, what are strategies that the different tendencies can use to deal with sort of the downsides of their tendencies? And this is a great one. And she makes a very question or argument for like why it's logical and efficient to just flip a coin. Because Mm -hmm. sort of either way you win, whether you care or you don't care.
0: Yeah. And I love that she's like, if I'm indifferent, then that's it. Decision made. It's like there doesn't have, you know, doesn't have to be a real reason to do one thing or another sometimes.
1: Well, and that's the thing is sometimes they're, they're both the right choice. And so that's where also questioners can get hung up on like. The, the desire for infinite research, infinite information, because how do I make the best choice? Where sometimes you're just like, they're both right choices. So just pick one. And this way, like she said, it just, it just cuts that down, um, lets her cut to the chase. So I think that's great. And by the way, if you don't know what a questioner is, I will post a link in the show notes. Uh, and you can find out if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. And uh, yeah, questioner, this is a great questioner strategy from Amanda.
0: Now, Gretchen, it is time for a happiness stumbling block. And we're calling this a happiness stumbling block 2.0 because it's one that we've already discussed, yet we need to discuss it again. It's evolved. Yes. Um, and this is the happiness stumbling block of email.
1: Yes. Email is wonderful, it does make our lives easier, but it also can drive us crazy. Um, we've talked about emails before in episodes 66 and 99. But there is more to say. Yes. (laughs) A listener, uh, Elizabeth, sent us a hack related to email, and that got us thinking about what a great hack it was and also other aspects of email um, that we could think
0: about. Yeah. So this came from Elizabeth, who's planning her wedding. She says... My happiness hack has been to create an email address, an account specifically for wedding-related communication. I have found that doing so ensures that wedding-related emails don't get lost in my personal email inbox and assists in compartmentalizing, i.e. ensuring that wedding planning doesn't take over my life <laughs> because I am not aware of all the wedding-related emails I receive until I am ready to check this account. This is a great thing, and I think... Genius. Yeah, this is a great thing, and I think... I have seen
1: people do it, and I think it's a great idea for it could be a family reunion, could be a big anniversary party, could be a bar mitzvah um it just like she says it's like it lets you just keep all these things organized, and when you're ready to deal with it, it's all together, and when you're not wanting to deal with it, it's not distracting you it's like it's it's just a way to make everything simpler
0: so Gretch, that's a good email habit yeah. <laughs> um there some more bad email habits have arisen since our last discussion, yeah. Well, I think
1: one of the things with email is it's this ubiquitous part of our experience, but I think sometimes we're not aware of the things that we do that might be annoying to other people because we just simply do Hmm. not know. For instance, in all innocence, I was sending people work emails over the weekend because I didn't realize how annoying people consider that behavior to be. I had just literally never thought about it. But once it was pointed out to me, it was helpful. So we thought maybe it would be good to review Hmm. some of the things that might Annoy other people so that you could be aware and not accidentally do something that rubs other people the wrong way.
0: Yes. So there's the all caps email.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I have a neighbor. I live in a small building and um, one of my neighbors was always writing in all caps. And finally, I said to him, I'm like, when you write to me in all caps, it makes me feel like you're yelling at me. He's like, oh, I just do that to make things more legible. And I was like, oh, wow. nah. Maybe you think that you're doing a good turn, but that it really <laughs> felt aggressive to me. So, again, he he thought he yes. was being helpful, but it, I don't I don't think that's a good way to increase your legibility.
0: And then there's also the dreaded return notification, which is
1: when you get an email and a little box pops up and says, like, the sender would like to be notified that you have received this email. So mm. do you want to send them a notice that you've read it? And I think some people, they just they're like, I'd like to know that she's read this email, but I feel like it's really intrusive. I'm like, you don't need to know my email habits in my business. And like, I'll read your email when I feel like reading your email and I'll answer. I, I, I think that unless there's a pressing specific need for someone to know, like for a legal reason that you have received an email, I don't think that you should routinely request that people notify you that they've received your email.
0: Yeah, it feels like they're checking in on you. Yes, they're, they're trying to look over your shoulder. Exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, and it feels like a hint. Like you need to tell me as soon as you've read this. It's like, well, chill yes. out, man. Yeah.
0: Now the other thing people do, sort of along the same line, yeah. is making their their email <laughs> high alert. Yes. <laughs>
1: This can be tempting. Like I'm often tempted to make things high alert with Jamie because he never answers my uh-huh. emails. So I'm
0: like, I'll just make everything high alert. <laughs> it's like, that and doesn't... that's when there's like a red <laughs> exclamation point right yes. next to the subject line.
1: Yes, right. And so um, it's it's sort of flagged in a way to make it jump out at people. Again, this is something that you do not want to overuse, and you will be like the boy who cried wolf in the story if you make everything high alert. It's really something that should be saved. Or something where it's like, we're going to have to pay a high penalty if we do not do this by 5 o'clock today. That's like, yeah, you can send that high alert. But not just like, hey, are plans confirmed for Sunday brunch? Probably not high
0: alert. Right. (laughs) And Gretchen, um, this is related to a hack you had in Episode 99, which was um, doing one-subject emails, which I have adopted But talk about why multiple requests and subjects and emails are problematic.
1: What I found, and again, this is what we talked about in 99, but it it is like if you have multiple requests, then things get lost. A lot of people use, like me, use email as kind of a to-do list. And so if you are careful to put a very descriptive subject line and stick to one subject in an email and like a request, make it clear what you're requesting, then it's easier for people to track what it is you need and whether or not you've gotten it. Whereas if you try, if you try to be efficient and, and like cram a bunch of stuff, like 10 different things into one email, I feel like it's a lot more likely that stuff gets lost and it's harder to track it later.
0: Yeah. And it's also that annoying thing where there might be five people on an email, but then you've got one question for one person, one question for another person, you know, and then it's like, is everybody replying all? (laughs) it, It just gets very confusing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's better to keep things very precise. It might mean more emails, but it's easier, I think, overall for everyone. But speaking of keeping things like very precise, there is a great article in the Harvard Business Review um, where somebody was writing about military practices for email, and I will put a link to it because it's, mm. it's got a lot of great ideas. But kind of the bottom line of it is use keywords and subject lines and also make it clear what you're asking for. So you might use the word like action or decision or sign or request mm. so that people know like, OK, what is going on here? And then they have something called bluff bottom line up front, which is put the most important information at the top. Mm. I often get emails where there'll be kind of a lot of general information and at the bottom and they're like, and by the way, we need X, Y, Z by end of day. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, I'm only reading to the bottom because I'm in a polder. Most people are not going to get to the bottom of your email. (laughs) And then the the other thing they say is write short Mm. and that you should take time and especially the more people who are getting it, take the time to make it short because you will just Communicate more effectively and you will save people a lot of time.
0: Mm. Yes, we all appreciate brevity in emails. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Gretchen, this is a big thing in Hollywood. Don't show everyone else's email addresses. No. You know, email yourself and then put others in BCC. I mean, I can confess to you that. I have gotten like emails to, you know, 50 people and yeah. there will be people on there where I go, oh, <laughs> they're on the email. Let yeah. me re- note this email address. Should I ever need to email this television star about something? Um, and so that person may not want me having their email address. But, um, you know, if it's there for the taking, I'm going to take it. So right. um, you got to be careful about that.
1: Right. If you're emailing your book club and everybody's email shows, nobody cares. But it's the problem comes when it's like a big group of people who
0: don't know each other, don't
1: know each other and wouldn't necessarily give each other their emails because now their emails are exposed. And this is this people really do get angry at this because they because it's like it's for them to to reveal their email to who they'd like to reveal it to. Yeah, I
0: can
1: I can imagine that in Hollywood, this is a special problem. But I think people get annoyed in all walks
0: of life. And it happens all the time. And it happens all the time. And
1: if you don't know how to do this, what Elizabeth just said, like email yourself and put everybody else in BCC, have somebody show you how to do it. It's super easy, but you do have to know how to do it. And I just learned about something, Elizabeth, that I think you and I should be the trendsetters to do this. I hope that I understand it correctly because no one's actually ever done it to me, but apparently it's a trend, which is that you put E-O-M which is end of message, Mm. after your message. And so you know how when you get into those email things where it's like, okay, I'll see you then. And then you're like, great. And then I'm like, can't wait. And then you're, you know. Um, So EOM is kind of like drop mic. It's like Uh this, (laughs) and now this will stop. And I've heard um, that sometimes like people will even use it just in the subject line so that you don't even have to look into the body of the email. It's just like, Mm. you know, conference room 93 at 1 p.m., Ray report EOM. So nobody has to do anything. They just get the information. And I think this this would eliminate sort of just a layer of unnecessary emails. Just clean up people's inbox ever so slightly.
0: Yes, because I cannot tell you how many times there's the group email about when we're meeting. Yes. <laughs> and then you go, well, I'm not going to respond. It's obvious, you yeah. know, that this is the end of message. Yes. But then if somebody else in the group says can't wait. Yes and maybe somebody else chimes in looking forward to it, then you look like the jerk not being enthusiastic and excited. So then you're like, okay, I'll reply all and say how much. I cannot wait for the meeting in the conference room at 11. No. So I think this is a (laughs) brilliant solution to that. I can't tell you. I always think, do people feel like I'm
1: surly because I don't answer those? I mean, I am the person who's like, I'm just not going to do it, but I fear that they're going to think I'm antisocial. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Now, listen, Megan um, from our hometown, uh, she's in Prairie Village, Kansas, but that's be- that's part of Kansas City. She raised a question to us that I really, I think it's just not clear what the etiquette is,
0: right? Like, mm. I didn't, I don't know. Yes, she says, this is interesting, texts at night. I know you've discussed the etiquette of not sending emails on the weekend. What are your thoughts on text messages? My rule is not to send them if it's later than I would normally call someone on the phone. Sometimes my sister and her husband send texts at 10 PM or later when I'm winding down or asleep. Do some people assume they can text any time of day and the receiver should have their phone on silent if they don't want to be disturbed. I like to keep my phone on at all times in case someone needs to call me for an emergency because we don't have a landline. So Gretchen, this is um, definitely one of the questions of the day. I mean, I will say I get woken up by texts um, from you or other people in New York on a semi-regular basis, you know, the the 5 a.m. text.
1: Yeah, well, no, because I might text you at even like 6 a.m. my time, which would be 3 a.m. your time. Yes, it's happened. Because see, here's the thing. And I think Megan's exactly right. Like, it didn't occur to me that you might be awakened by it.
0: Yeah, and it's what she said. I keep it on in case there's an emergency. I like to have my phone right by my bed. Now, maybe there's a way to turn off the dinging of the text and not turn off the um, ringing of the phone, but I don't know. What it is.
1: Well, Alyssa, there is. And I am no expert in this, but my 18-year-old daughter, Eliza, has coached me on this, and I think I understand it. Well, at least with the iPhone, which is there, there's a setting called Do Not Disturb. And Do Not Disturb, Mm -hmm. it's also the moon symbol if you're at that quick start screen, but it's called Do Not Disturb. And when you do that, Things are silenced, so you don't get calls and alerts, but you can allow calls, so you can pick mm. specific phone numbers. So if you knew, like, it was be important to me if I heard from these people, then you could do that, and so everything else would be silenced. Mm. So there is there are sort of technical um, things to do it, and that's under settings if you're on the iPhone. But it's interesting because, like, my mother-in-law, her view was that texting was like calling, and that to her was, like, mm. clear as day, that... If somebody texted you in a time they would not call you, that was a clear etiquette violation. And I have to say that never occurred to me. And part of it is like I don't sleep with my phone near me and Mm -hmm. I have it silenced anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't use my phone in that way. So, again, it wasn't that I was being inconsiderate. It's like it just it's not a problem that I ever face. So I never thought like, oh, if I text my mother-in-law at 1130, it's going to wake her up. Or if I text Elizabeth at 630 a.m., it's going to be the middle of the night for her. I just didn't know. So what do, you, do but do you think, do you, so I guess the burden is, is the burden on the sender don't text or is the burden on the receiver use do not disturb or some other thing to silence your phone? Or or is it that the phone is like an emergency thing? I don't thing?
0: know. I really don't know where I land on this. Um, I find myself trying not to text people when I think they'll be asleep, mm-hmm. but I can't say I never do it. <laughs> Sometimes I go, they're probably asleep. Eh, I'll just send this anyway. <laughs> well, especially like... Hopefully their phone's off. So I do it myself. <laughs> you could do
1: the delay delivery on email, which I now know how to do very well, so that it would go in the morning. But then texting, I don't think you can do that. But then it's like, well, just send it by email. But then there's like some things that you text and don't email. I mean, it's just, it's just like another layer of decision-making complication
0: yes. and etiquette. Because I also think people use text to find out if someone's awake. So you Ooh. might they might text Sarah, are you awake? And then if she is, they'll say, okay, give me a call. So you know that's that's it, true too.
1: Well, and conveniently, if she's asleep, maybe it'll wake her up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. No,
1: yeah, well, see, I think this is a place where the etiquette is not clear. So I guess the one thing to say is like, don't judge someone harshly because it is yes. an unsettled area. Yes. Yes. It's like in the law, we say, you know, like there's a circuit split, meaning some courts have weighed in one way and some courts have weighed in another way. It's not clear. This is when you take it to the Supreme Court, because then the Supreme Court decides for everyone um, (laughs) so that there isn't a circuit split. But um, I don't know who we appeal to for um, what's the right way to do it. But I will say if you think that teenagers are the leaders in technology use. Eliza she does use do not disturb after a certain point mm. and she silences it. But I guess you would say also she's not expecting to get an emergency phone call. No one's going to call an 18-year-old with like, right, you know, right. like we have a hospital emergency. So and I can understand like there's times where you need that. But maybe there's a tech solution. If you if you talk to a tech savvy friend who can talk you through what would make you feel comfortable but would also maybe preserve you from getting disturbed if you're finding that it's a problem.
0: Yeah. Well, Gretchen, one, I think we're going to hear from a lot of listeners with strong opinions mm-hmm. on either side. And two, I don't think this is going to be the last time we're discussing emails and text messages. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. dot com slash GretchenRubin. So Gretchen, it's time for demerits and gold stars. You are up this week with a happiness demerit.
1: Okay, so whenever I have something that I need to do or that I need to remember, I will write it down on a piece of paper. And then mm-hmm. often if I like let's say I have uh like a conference call with somebody or I meet with somebody, I will print out either kind of an agenda or an email that we had about it. And then I will take notes on that piece of paper as kind of a reminder of everything that I need to do or follow up on. And what has happened to me is over the past, I would say, three to five weeks, I have just had this steady accumulation of these pieces of paper. And when I look at them, they're full of things that I don't feel like dealing with. So I just keep the piece of paper. And then with some of the pieces of paper, I'm like, I need to tackle this. And so I will copy everything onto a new piece Mm. of paper, throw away the old pieces of paper. And so now it's consolidated, Mm. but the tasks are not done. So right. what I really need to do is be like, here's a here are my five things, the dreaded tasks that I do not want to do. But they're all they're all things I don't want to do or deal with or mm-hmm. even think about. And so I my my office is really cluttered, which is making me crazy. Plus, my mind is really cluttered with the thought that I have all these things to do that I don't really want to do. And it's weighing me down. And yet somehow all my usual tricks and tips and strategies Mm -hmm. that I use for getting myself to tackle these things. Part of it is I have a ton of work to do. So every day I'm like, Ah. and it's not even like work is the most dangerous form of procrastination where it's like I'm working to procrastinate. It's like stuff that's actually urgent and needs to be done, important work that needs to be done. But then on the side, this other work that needs to be done at some point is just piling up. And it's just sort of making me crazy. I think I just need to.
0: Sounds like you need some power hours, a couple of power hours.
1: Yeah, I think I do. I think I need some special power hours and not things like usually power hours, like go to the hardware store. I think I need to do some power hours that are like work related and deeply unpleasant. So that's true. Okay, power hour. Maybe I'll do a week where I have a power every, hour every day. It'll be power power mm. hour week.
0: Oh, that sounds good. Yeah,
1: that's that sounds like kind of a super friends kind of thing to do. Kind of superhero.
0: Yeah, we'll discuss it. <laughs> once you
1: do it, <laughs> accountability coming to the rescue. Okay, Elizabeth. But what's your gold star? Cheer us
0: up. Well. My gold star is for a missing puzzle piece in my life. You know, we discussed recently the um, finding the missing puzzle piece, like what is missing in your life that will improve your life. So satisfying. Yes. And I have found my local shoe repair place. Oh, and good. For years, Gretch, <laughs> you know, it, growing up, we would take our shoes to the shoe place and have, you know, a new, uh, you know, a sole put on, a new heel put on, yep. whatever. But sort of in my adult life, I had not embraced the shoe repair place. hmm But finally, I saw, oh, we have this little local shoe repair place where they also refurbish purses as Mm. most shoe repair places do. And so now I'm like taking like my shoes with broken heels and things like this to get repaired. I have a really nice bag that I couldn't use anymore because it was about to the stitches were coming out and the color was all rubbed off and I had it totally refurbished and now it just looks brand new. It's like items that I would never get rid of because they're too nice and I really want them, but they weren't quite working for me because something was wrong with them, you know, like mm-hmm. a broken heel, um, now are having new life. So I'm very excited.
1: Well, was it was it seeing it like identifying it? Is that what was that like the key missing piece? Like here is where it is. I don't have to go look it up. I, I finally kind of yes. noticed that it's there.
0: And it's a local place. So I feel motivated to give him a lot of business because I want him to stay open and be, you know, I want to support it. Yeah. So it's sort of motivating me to actually take things there. Well, maybe that's a good kind of starter thing is like. Even
1: if you can't conceive of, like, going, just find it. Just identify yeah. it. Because I think sometimes just knowing where to go to solve a problem, like, like oh, where am I going to get my watch fixed? Or, ooh, where would I yes. go to buy? You know, it, it just, like, it seems possible in a whole new way. You know, you're like, how hard is it to look up a shoe repair place? But actually, it's just hard enough to keep you from doing it for five years. <laughs> right. There you go. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home beware of storage. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. And speaking of Laura Mayer, stick around (laughs) after the credits if you want to hear a funny message about Laura that we got from a listener. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend, subscribe to us on iTunes, and I'm starting to do a new thing each week. So I have so many resources and there's the wedding PDF and there's the, you know, uh, memorial services PDF and I've got a bunch of different things. So each week I'm going to remind you of two things that you can request if you want them. Uh, This week, I'm going to remind you that if you would like to have the PDF of my 81 favorite works of children's literature, which was like the most fun that I ever had putting that together, you can email me and request that. Or uh, I'll put a link on the site if you want to see it online. And then also, if you'd like to have a book plate for one of my books, you can request a book plate.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth
1: Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. it's charlotte from london uh, when i first started listening to happier i loved it because at the end used to say and thanks to our lord mayor of panoply and i was like they're so whimsical they have a lord mayor but actually you were just saying laura mayor but it made me very happy <laughs> um so and it made me laugh when i found out thanks very much bye